Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Club podcast brought to you by HalftimeCupper.com. My name is Danny Cook and I'm pleased to bring you another fantastic episode, this time featuring my very own right-hand man through pretty much all of Halftime Cupper's podcasts previously. Um, he's here today, but in a coaching role, so I'm intrigued and I'm sure you will be as well. So without further ado, let's introduce Charlie Pumphrey. Charlie, how are you? I'm very good, Danny. Thank you for having me back. I always feel like I've survived some sort of cull by returning to a podcast, so <laughs> it was good to be back. Hey, you made it to the judge's house. You're back again, so that's, that's <laughs> always a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we begin, before we, we, we go into the actual meat of today's episode, um, you can, of course, catch up on any of the previous episodes now on iTunes or on our website at halftimecupper.com. And if you're on iTunes, just, just search Halftime Cupper. It'll come up. It's one of the only podcasts. I'm sure you won't be surprised uh, to, <laughs> to have Halftime Cupper attached to it. So, okay, Charlie, um, let's, you know, this is going to be really, really weird doing this from a coaching perspective today. Um, obviously, we when we've done podcasts in the past, we're normally talking and uh we've normally got someone else on um mm. so i'm really intrigued to just find out about your coaching journey so uh i guess the real best place to start would be the actual start, start um, the beginning. <laughs> it, would, it would make sense i guess uh so charlie where how and why did you get into coaching I think actually I'm going to start with the with the why is probably the best leading I imagine there to, for my journey is when I was a kid it was always more because I couldn't do it was always a case of all right what can I do to influence this it was a case of okay where do I help where can I be of most use whether it was as a kid in a school football team being like all right what's going on here I know you having seen your some of your stuff Danny you've uh, got a similar background to that of Thank you. <laughs> as a kid being involved but yeah it was always an interest it was always okay you've got these players that are fantastic but how do the coaches influence and I think initially came from like what's the point in having someone on the sideline these are all grown men they should know what they're doing but then it became right how does a coach actually the coach is probably as important if not more important than the players because a player can be in and leave in six months but a coach is actually can influence a whole career of every player they come in contact with and then it was like, okay, how can I do that? How can I influence that? How can I do things in a certain way? And it sort of fit with my, almost in a way, with my personality of being like, okay, how can I be involved? How can we tinker, strategize, that kind of thing? And I think more of the how, it was always, okay, how can I help? And I have, a, I mean, I've got two younger brothers that are of an age that it's like, okay, they were going into their footballing journey as I was sort of going off to university and starting that sort of age where I was like okay how can I get involved sort of 16 17 18 I think before that point it always been something I've been interested in but I think there's the confidence I think a lot of that comes into what I've heard from other coaches from what I've seen is that once that confidence is there and you become more confident in it and I got to that stage where I was like I think university was the first time I was like okay I have the time I have hopefully the confidence now to go and be a part of something and so that I think, yeah, my time <laughs> when started coaching with uh, Kinja and you guys was when I really started took the step and went, okay, how do I do this? How do I influence? And I was very fortunate to work with some great coaches. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and yeah, just being embraced by people and being people being generous enough with their time to okay, okay, to go and being trusted with 
uh, with a team along with another coach to be able to say, okay, this is how you sort of you sort of get it for most I think a lot of coaching. You get it a lot with just being around other coaches. You kind of you absorb that what they're doing, how do they do it? Because I think it's very at times it's very easy just to go, okay, here's a t- I can just tell you we're gonna four four two whatever rubbish like there's that sort of mm. it's this simplification of coaching when actually when you're in a moment you have to hand every sort of session you have to be on your feet on your toes and go okay what happens if i've planned something for 50 for i usually have if you have 15 or 16 then only 10 turn up how do you how do you sort of react to that and roll with the punches and learning how to do that is a lot through just being around other coaches unfortunately being around other coaches that are highly experienced highly qualified is i think that's how it started i think just kind of seeing what people were doing and taking some of the best bits is yeah i think that's how it sort of started that's brilliant i mean i've got so many notes off the back of that there's so many different <laughs> avenues to go down so it's gonna be fantastic charlie um so talk to me about that that initial session or those first couple of sessions where you were obviously introduced to the team that you was coaching at the time um at kinja sorry um and and how you kind of felt and what you got up to in those those couple of sessions uh yeah i think it's it's nerves are probably the main thing i think like when you start anything you start nervous and you do try and sort of build your confidence from there and i was very fortunate like i say to work with coaches and sort of take very much that back seat on it and say okay how would you run the session and i think that's really important with young coaches and what first time coaches is having someone there that you can bounce ideas off have someone there that you can bounce situations off of and go okay i haven't dealt with this before uh, that you're dealing with if you're dealing with a behavioral situation how have you dealt with this how do you and especially when it's a team that they have more experience with it's about i think it's about coming together and collaborating and saying okay how do you how do you imagine we should be doing things and then going okay I think okay absolutely how can I offer a value to that person and say okay I like that what if we did a b or c how can we move it on and those first few sessions were very much sort of taking a little bit of a backseat making sure that you're well introduced to the players themselves and being able to learn how they played how they learned how they sort of interacted with people and just sort of that initial, those initial first few sessions are really important. Like I say, first impressions are last. Mm. People will always remember those first few sessions because if you go in and make a bad, uh, make a bad impression on someone, you just, I think you find it very hard to win that battle back. I found that at the, at the places I've been, that you find that once, if a player's made their mind up on you, it's very hard to then turn that around if you yep. do it, start poorly. That's why I think it's important to make a good first impression it's important to play within i think every team that oh well teams that i've coached have always had their own unspoken rules and it's about saying okay what are those is it about do you allow things to run a little bit longer when it comes to sort of those sort of behavioral issues do you let people sort of work their way into sessions is it about actually engaging really quickly and those first few sessions are i think crucial for that just in terms of the i mean you've, you've brought up unspoken rules um mm. do you feel that and this is probably a little sidestep but with your role now and you know with future teams do you believe that they should be sort of unwritten rules or should they be sort of established rules that are, are written down somewhere um for everyone to see 
Um, I think that's a great question. I, when it comes to the teams that I've been with, I've been fortunate to coach with different ages now, um, very different ages, very different sort of cultural backgrounds and sort of where players are coming from. I think there's, I think the answer is probably both. That when it comes to hard ground law, uh, ground rules, like please don't be late, we need to have the right safety equipment. Yeah. We need players to be turning up to games at a certain time so we can warm up properly. And you, I think that's when there's those hard rules, when it's certain times, when it's certain things, you do have to codify them and say, okay, we do expect these things. And the players, I think it also, when I've coached at a younger age, I'm hoping to in the future coach at an older age and see how that is implemented. But when it's younger, it's sort of that communication of those rules, I think is more to parents, is to more to carers, to people that are, have the influence as well in the, other, in the other situations that the player is in to say, okay, we do need the player here by a certain time. We'd like them here before, like a certain amount of time before training so we can be ready to go at the time we start. Um, but when it comes to sort of the unwritten rules, it's okay. You expect that respect from players. You expect players to sort of make the effort to, not necessarily because when it comes to, I find with personalities, you let players go into a squad the way that they feel comfortable you try and let them join in as they would be. It's very easy when players come in, they go to school together or they come from very similar backgrounds. But when it's you're bringing those players in that aren't necessarily from those backgrounds and saying, okay, the rules go both ways in that situation, that, okay, I'm going to do my best to bring you into this group and make it as easy as possible for everyone. But you do sort of sometimes expect, okay, I'm going to need you to do certain things to within the team, within training sessions, just to make it everyone's life that little bit easier. Um, but when it comes to things like that, it's like in games, I don't. I, you expect players to play not necessarily a certain way, but to play with that respect for other players, to play with that respect for on what for people watching on. I think that's where it comes to. I think when it comes to that sort of hard and soft influence, it's okay. These are where hard is where this is where my rule is. I want you on time to training, and soft is more. This is how I how I expect you to do things. And I think that's where the soft is a little bit more the margin is. Okay, good. The um, parents will you've you've touched on. We'll we'll discuss that later on anyway. Mm. But um, going back to to what you said in terms of the support you had, what what did that look like in those first couple of sessions? What was the support? Was it a case of just bouncing ideas off of off of the coaches there, or trying to pick their brains and find out why they did something? Uh, I think both both applies, and I think other ways as well. It was okay. When it comes to they've got more experience with the players, you'll be like, okay, so what do they respond to? What do the players respond to? But then also being like, because for me, as it, I was, I was and still am an amateur coach, it was okay. How do you do, like watching on sometimes and watching how people will handle situations? I mean, there's a coach that we both worked with at um, Kinder in my first year, uh, Yule. Yeah. It was always great. Him, watching his sessions were fantastic. I know you'd almost want to just sit back and just watch his sessions because of the way he would garner respect from players, from the way he was, he would get players to follow his, the way he sort of wanted things done and that the players would buy into that. And it was like, okay, how do you do that? Because it's very easy to say, okay, well, he got the players, those things. It's very easy to say that. It's like, well, how do you garner respect? How do you get players to buy in? And it's watching that. For the, I think for my first few sessions, it was taking the hands off a little bit and saying, okay, I was lucky enough to work with my team to work with another coach who would also support as well. And then it was it was learning. I think it is learning whilst also it's almost that two tier of a team. You have the, the coach at the top that you're like, OK, how can I as a coach work with the coach above, not necessarily above me, but like who has more experience? 
but also then on the fly putting that into a session and it was picking their brains you'd be like okay oh what well, you did that session there is there any other way you would do that sort of apply it where to players with not necessarily a lesser ability but players that react in different ways to situations and yeah I think it's really important to learn as much as possible I think coaching is a constant learning experience I mean where I'm coaching now I'm coaching with someone who's in their first year of coaching a very different age group and it's being just being there to go okay where I've been in situations before this is how we've done certain things just where we've done certain things differently and it's really it's really interesting I think you learn a lot from that sort of flipping of a situation of being okay even though I'm not a mightily experienced uh, coach with lots of with lots of our qualifications, it's how they'll come. My other coach comes to me and goes, "Okay, what do you want to? What do you think we should be doing? What would you do differently?" And it's interesting that sort of that power dynamic is very interesting. It certainly is, and uh, you're you're always uh, is vastly becoming a very popular man on this. Podcast. I, I can I, I've heard his name <laughs> quite before, and I can imagine his name will come up again. It will. It will. I mean, it, it has done on pretty much most of them so far. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's hope he's not after royalties from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It'd be great if we could get him on. It'd be great oh, if we could get him on just for one. I, I would imagine you oh, you need to come on for that one as well. Pick his brain. Pick your, yeah, having coached with and played for, it's a, a great yeah. one. Yeah, great experience. Um, in terms of those, I, I know you said a little bit earlier in terms of the first impressions with players. I wondered if you had any uh, tips or any bits of advice you'd give to someone in terms of making a correct or a, a positive, should we say, a positive first impression with a player. Mm. Like, How would you ice break that situation? Oh, absolutely. I, having done, uh, coached two teams now, it's been about, I've done that a couple of times now. I think being yourself is something that people, I, I know people have brought up and people will bring up, is just be as natural and as organic as possible. If if your personality, if you think that you're going into a session and you need to change who you are, I find that's where the most difficult first impressions come because people, you're giving someone an impression that isn't necessarily real and then as you go along, that you can't keep that facade up for every session you can't you can't be someone different all the time when it comes to games to training if you be if you're if you be yourself you will either find that players will some players will move away from that and then you you have to kind of like i said earlier you have to bring everyone together and that's why i think having two coaches for teams is when those coaches being different people is really is when I mean you look at the professional game you look at some of the best coaches most of them are on the same level but some of them are very different where one will be one will be sort of the soft influence one will be the hard line but come back to that again that soft influence some will be the hard influence that will be the hard line I think if you're yourself players will buy into it much quicker that's what I've seen from coaches I mean I've seen from yourself from Harry from having seen you all coach and had the had the luck to coach with a couple of you it's yeah, seeing that, being yourself, I think is the, just the absolute number one for me. Good, good. Uh, that's something I, I know has come up on a on a previous episode as well. So that's great. Uh, you're reinforcing authenticity, I guess. Mm, yeah, um, that's, that's the word. word. Absolute yeah. word. So um, you're in your first couple of sessions there at Kinja. Um, how how does it go, and and what's your next steps from there? Hmm. Once you've got those first session, couple of sessions in hand, and at that point, the first couple of games, at that point, you do start to form your own opinions of what 
what should be done and how do we improve players. So, I mean, going back now to those first few sessions, it was there were there was a lot of churn and turnover within the team. So there were players coming in, there were players being moved, being in a situation where we had two separate teams at one age group. There was still, it wasn't set in stone which players were going to be where. And it was about going, okay, what can we do to bring what we've got together and try and get everyone to, to a similar footing? And the interesting thing there is you go, well, okay, there are certain players here that have just the simple fact of played football longer. There were some players there that were in their first, my, their first few sessions were of any football they played within a team with sessions were also my first sessions so you were going okay we're both learning together we're both you're both on that journey as well okay how do I bring that player in how do I bring the player that's more experienced and give them a little bit of leadership and say okay now I know that I can trust you to a certain extent obviously I think with some players you do you learn that okay I can trust you to lead a, a part of a drill but I can't necessarily trust you to bring a whole team together but with some players, you can go, okay, I'm trusting you just to get this group together, and they'll put, they'll pull people together as they go. And once you know where those certain leaders are, where those certain assets within the team, if that makes sense, even if they're not necessarily in a footballing sense your best players, you know that you can trust them. You start to go, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit more leadership in this session. I'm going to ask you to go away and sort of instead of the coach being the one to deliver the message, you trust those players to deliver the message for you. And I think once they start to, if you can get them on board, it's about bringing them on board and bringing them into that a little bit more of a leadership style for them. And it's been, even with like young players, I mean, this season I've coached very, at a very young age, almost all of the players, it's their first season playing football. But even then you find players that you're like, okay, for instance, we have one player that you can really trust and you can really, even at a young age, you can go, what I'd like is for him to be, this player's going to be the captain, they're going to choose team selection, where people are playing, all these sorts of things. And just sort of, as you go along, building up those players and building and them, I think they, again, by Osmo, bring that word up again, Osmosis, is bringing it, they bring other players along with them. A lot of players that don't want to be sort of micromanaged, they bring players along as well. And I think that's, in those sessions after you've begun to, as well, if you've begun to coach, begun to bring the team in, that's when it's really important. Wow. Um, buzzword bingo, I think. Osmosis <laughs> yeah, you've got again. your bingo card. If you got that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a word there. Uh, that sums it up nicely, actually. Um, okay, so your time at Kinja then, looking back, how did that all go? How did that all pan out for you? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, the coach I am now, I wouldn't be confident enough to be the coach I am now without the time I had there and being able to be around coaches with experience and actually as well to be around coaches that were of similar of more experience of a similar age as well i mean yourself and harry two fantastic coaches just to be around because i think when you're it's very easy to turn around and go that prani and i mean his name hasn't been brought up yet but another coach that was at kinja and being able to go to them and ask for them for questions when you're with people that are of a similar and i mean we were at university together so yeah spoiler alert to the backstory of a future <laughs> um just being able to relate to those people and say okay let's bring it together. like those being around coaches of a similar age I think is really important not necessarily all the time but having that common sort of language and doing things and seeing things that are very similar I think is really important but having those other coaches as well having the likes of Rob of, the, of Mo 
those really just coaches that you can see doing different things you can sort of grab things from I think is fantastic and to be honest Kinja was one of the highlights of my time at university because being able to be with a team to see them develop over the time I was there to be fortunate enough to be there for well I mean most coaches are there for are with a team for an extended amount of time but for me to be able to see players at the beginning of my time there were very different to the players at the end and I mean I'll leave it to someone else to say <laughs> better or worse but I like to think that it was being able to go on that journey with players I think is one of the most rewarding parts of coaching no that's brilliant that's that's so um so nice to hear and um having coached a few of the players that you you coached after you've definitely had a positive impact on them um <laughs> you might have just, to ask them that <laughs> no no i i have because i was i've spoken spoken with them and they speak very highly of the sessions that you and obviously tom and you you did um so yeah you you obviously had a massive impact on these guys so um well you know pat, pat on the back for that definitely my head's gonna explode <laughs> <laughs> um oh this is this is interesting because i think i think i would like to know um how you as a coach had that confidence to to step in and deliver a session because i know you said at the very very beginning you said um, you're one of those coaches that wasn't particularly blessed with Ronaldo's skills or technique. Um, so I wondered if that had any kind of hindrance on, on when it came to demonstrating things or doing things. I mean, from my personal perspective, I, I mean, if it came to me doing a session on skills or, or keep up, you know, it would it would be a car crash. It would be mm. terrible. Um, I could probably do about five if I'm lucky. So, <laughs> so I, I wondered if you you had similar kind of hurdles or stumble stumbling blocks. Yeah, I think that translation is a really interesting question. That sort of okay, how do I tell you? Not necessarily tell you, but it's something that I'm quite fond of. This is a real tangent I'm about to go on. Um, within movies within films they talk about showing and not telling i think being a coach it's doing both it's going okay i can show you especially with this age group it's very different i imagine where you've coached a slightly older age group and the skill gap isn't quite as it is or was at that level i think you have to you have to be really creative and having that passion for it i think passion is the real driver to that if you're passionate enough about something and clear and concise enough about delivering it and i'm sure there'll be comments about me not being clear and concise here uh, don't worry i i get it all the time <laughs> it's just it's just passion it is if you're passionate enough and able to really and have the knowledge about it and this is where i actually would refer to you if i was speaking I'd speak to someone else rather than blowing your ego up but no i would i would refer to you having that watching you coach and watching you having that knowledge and saying to a player okay, I might not be able to show... We live in a world now where I might not be able to show you me doing it, but I can show you Lionel Messi doing it, or I can yes, show you love it. Frank there Lampard doing it. <laughs> like, we live in a world now where you can all you need to do is take a digital device with you, and it can be nothing more, it's nothing more complex than having a phone and going, do you know what, here's a great example where, even not modern examples, where look what Paul... Uh, here's a player of my age, Paul Scholes, is able to play a pass, and he'll find a pass that no one else sees. 
and that I don't need to be able to show you that because I think there is, I'd imagine 95 to 99 percent of coaches won't have that level of skill to show them something. And sometimes you haven't got the space to show someone something. You haven't got the tools to show someone something. We're equipment with you to show someone something. That that now the modern era I think will make, make it so much easier for coaches all over the world. Mm. Yeah, technology is huge in that, and uh, I mean I. I don't know about yourself, but I've definitely used some of those video clips. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they're very useful. Um, okay, leading on to another question now. Um, at your time at Kinja, did, did, you ever be, did you ever feel a sense of pressure from players or parents or other coaches to, to win games? I don't think I ever did, really. I think with my team at Kinja, we were... Well, I think we became more tightly knit in as much as you'd, sometimes you'd go to games and you'd be either short on numbers or you'd have certain players missing. And everyone had that understanding, which was fantastic. It was the parents had the understanding, the players had the understanding that, look, we're going to have to go into a game and it won't be about us being 20 times the team the other team is. It will be about us working hard, putting into practice what we've done in training. And I think the parents really bought into that. And every conversation you'd ever have with a parent, you'd come away from a game losing 3-0 and parents would be like, did you see Did you see what my player did? Did you see what that player did? Did you see the movement this player did? It's about picking, uh, winning the battles that you think, is winning the battles and not worrying about the war necessarily. Mm. And winning, so there'd be games where you turn up with nine men from 11 aside, or nine players obviously, nine players for an 11 aside game, right players for an 11 aside game, and you would just say, look, I'm not worried about... What the... I mean, me as a coach, I've never been worried about the results because I think whilst they do, they help confidence, obviously. If you can go on a run and not lose a game all season, players are going to naturally be more confident. But I think if you can get players to enjoy whatever the result is, I think naturally they become better players because if you're enjoying it regardless... Of... And it's very hard to go away from a game that you've lost and go... Oh, it was fantastic. I want another one of those. It's about teaching and saying, look, there are going to be times where you're going to go. The best teams in the world lose games. It's very rarely that a team will go all year without losing a game. So we're gonna have you're gonna have to get used to it. You can be the best team of players, you will lose a game out of nowhere. And I think it's about building that into people. And I think that comes as well, especially when you're coaching at a young age. You want to teach people that you aren't gonna win it. You're not gonna go into every situation and come out the victor, you're going to want to put everything in and put everything on the, on the line for that. But it's not always going to fall that way. Sometimes it is just going to be an act of randomness that, is going to, that isn't going to go your way. And I think the more you can teach people that that isn't going to happen, the better it's going... The, I think the better the people will improve, the more that they will get out of it. Yeah, like that, like that. Um, and I was listening to a webinar the other day and... Uh, one of the coaches on there, you know, it was a US um, college, mm. uh, one of the head coaches out there, um, he said, you know, <laughs> every every player at some point would have lost a game. Ronaldo would have lost a game. Mm. Messi would have lost a game. So, you know, losing is part of the experience and part of the learning uh, journey that all these players go on. So, um, yeah, cool. That was really good. Thank you for, for that, that bit of insights there. Um, okay, just rounded up your Kinja experience before we move on to where you are now. Um, just talk us through what what happened in the in the lead up to you transferring from Kinja to your new club. Um, I think it was a product of the circumstances I was in. It was a case that 
I was leaving university and wasn't sure if I'd be where I went to, obviously where we went to university was no surprise, well no secret here is was North <laughs> London at UCFB and I don't live in North London unfortunately, I know you, you guys still are, it was a case of, I think the nice thing about that is that it was a natural and organic way to say okay there is not, it's not me stepping away because of the demands of the role necessarily, it was stepping away because it was a nice time to step away, I would have loved to have had another season and I'd love to still be coaching the team I was coaching because they were a great group and you kind of you you learn that once you've learned the language of a team you just want to keep you just want to keep coaching with them and it was it was not disappointing to leave it was the end of that journey and it was everything has its time but that kind of leaving university and moving back to where I'm from where moving back to uh, the south and that yeah it came to it was nice that I got to finish the season where the season ended if that makes sense it wasn't a leaving at Christmas or leaving at some midway point. I think my situation now with the team I'm coaching, I'm not sure if we'll get onto it slightly later on, but there's a chance that I will be leaving the team that I'm with now and would have just completely in the middle of a season. We were looking forward to tournaments. We were looking forward to all this. And it is just a product of circumstance a lot of the time. And I think everyone comes to that agreement. Everyone comes to that sort of, I think when you come to peace with it, it's it's that last session is always sort of, or the last session I had with Kinja was sort of like, oh, you just want everyone to have as good a time. You don't want it to end because you're like, well, this is mm. something I've done now for an extended amount of time and you've made that commitment too. And yeah, it's always, it's always a bit sad, but you kind of got to be grateful that it happened, if that makes sense. I think that's the same the case for a lot of things. Yeah, you certainly have. Um... Yeah, I mean, even though I, I've been fortunate enough to stay at the club, um, I can think back to, to the team that uh, myself and Mitchell used to coach. Mm. And, um, yeah, we you know, having our final session together with our girls team. And, you know, they were, we, we surprised them and we got them a little something and they, they just, they didn't want to leave. They just wanted to stay there <laughs> all, yeah. all evening. But, yeah, it's, it's sad, but you've got to, you got to appreciate the, the experiences and the memories, haven't you? Um, mm, yeah, you've got to, yeah, treasure it all. So uh, talk to us about how you came across your new club then. So, yeah, as I alluded to at the start, I've got sort of, I've got two younger brothers that are still, well, one of which is still playing. I think the other is hoping to get back into it soon. Um, and the club they coached with, I just sort of put it across. I was like, look, I've had experience coaching a slightly older. T- well, I had at the time it was just I said, oh, "Look, I've got experience." I was introduced to sort of the uh, chairman of the club and was like, "Look, just a chat at one of my little brother, uh, younger brother's games." I was just like, "Look, I've got experience. I've not got an awful lot." It was with the job I had. I was a- available at that sort of time. I was around to sort of offer. I was like, "Look, if you need the, the assistance, I'd love to get back involved. I've got my level one." I've also, through other circumstances, I've got a DBS check that I can just sort of come right in and, like, everyone can be sure of the situation. And he was like, oh, we've got this, well, I can say the age group, but I've got an under-7s team. So it's the very first year, very first time they've had an under-7s team. They're like, I've got another coach. And I was like, okay, that'll be interesting to sort of get into that. And, yeah, that's it kind of all went from there, to be honest. Great. So did you – I'm just guessing – this under seventeen under sevens team, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> um, was it their first session 
that you went down to or had they been training before it you wasn't actually i by the time i was fully involved i kind of unfortunately just with a, a lot of the administration that happens with being <laughs> being a football club it sort of took a few weeks and they'd already played their first game by the time that i'd got involved and this other coach who just happens to be a parent of one of their players which i think is where I'm from, that tends to be the case nine times out of ten. Yeah. I mean, I'm yet to actually see a team that we've played against or that my younger brother's played against and played for that haven't had a parent of some description or care or family member of some description being involved. And that's, like I say, it was his... He'd already... He'd been to his first game and he had a bit of a horror story of his first game. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm here to kind of offer as much support as possible. Mm. Just quickly, I want to touch on the, the parent-coach side of mm. things. Because um, obviously at, at Kinja, we, I, don't think we did, I don't think we've had anyone or, or continue to have anyone who's a parent-coach. Do you notice any kind of different dynamic? As, it as... is, yeah. It is very different. And it's sort of, I, do, I don't think I'd be able to do it, if that makes sense. I don't think I'd be able to be a parent and be a coach. Because the way that parents deal with another with a parent coach, you do sometimes, it's almost like a suspicion of that coach that they're like, oh, why has he made that decision? Oh, it's because his, his child is in the team. He's, he's put his child, he's given his child, like we have give a, a man of the match award after every game. Yeah. And there have been times where I've been coaching with him and we have a, we have a conversation and a lot of the time he'll just ask me and go, okay, who do you think? Because he worries that he'll have to get, and there are some games where I've turned around and gone, it's your son, it's your child. And I can't, I wouldn't even question it. Your child was the best player of the team and it would send the right message to everyone. Not a question, but then, and there's been times where he's pushed back and gone, well, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. And he's very responsible. The other coach that I coach with for that. And he does hold his hands up and say, I can't do certain, I have to do things differently. You do have to, I think you see that dynamics different. And the way he coaches is a way that I wouldn't necessarily want to coach, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Not in a negative way, but just that you have to do it in a very different style, I think. When you're, when you're trying, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have any children. I, I don't know what that would be like to have to turn around and tell your child they're not doing something good enough or they're not, you have to, sort of play two roles at once and i don't know if i'd be confident enough or really want to be in that in that position yeah it does seem like a difficult role um as someone who's played in teams of, of parent coaches and uh obviously i've, I've not been a parent coach so i can't <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i can't really speak from first-hand experience um that being said you know I, I do i think i agree with you i think there's a slightly different from an outside outsider's perspective it seems as though there's a slightly different style and mm. different approach to things yeah okay great um so that was really really useful um I, i'm pleased you you discussed that um so your first session with this new team how did it feel going from kinja to this new new team obviously you've got the they're obviously a much younger age group but mm. um were there any major differences it was bizarre. It did feel a bit weird. It felt like trying to ride a bike a little bit again, like after a long time. If you're doing anything after a, you haven't done it for a long time, is always those nerves were there a little bit because I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect from the players, from the guy, uh, from the person I was coaching with. I hadn't been given any information really, 
I kind of did the Facebook stalker thing. Where I was like, oh, who is it? Who is this person? I've been given their name. And we'd had one conversation over WhatsApp. But I was like, I kind of need to know a little bit more about this person and what to like, what not necessarily what to expect, but just what they look like even. Because, yeah, going into that situation, I mean, when I coached at Kinder, I was going to a situation with people that I was at least familiar with. And then in this situation, it was going into a situation where I was not familiar with anyone involved. It was going and, and even though it was at that age group, you can take a few more liberties. You can play a session a little bit slower and do things in a more generic style, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You can kind of, you can get away with doing a session where you go, okay, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of match based stuff because it makes more sense at that age group. Cause it's a, a lot for a lot of the players. It's their first time kicking a football in a game, in something that isn't their back garden. And you're sort of going, okay, we do need to, sometimes you need to go very basic and very sort of, and it was learning that line for me was very, I would say it was a struggle, really. I'd be completely honest. In what sense? Why, why was it a struggle? It was a struggle because you're, you're learning, like I said, a lot of this is learning how to communicate and how to do things. And sometimes you'd be like, okay, a player would have a throw in and they throw the ball backwards. And you'd go, they throw the ball back towards their own goal to a player and an option that was there. And you'd go, well, actually, at this age group, you have to really, that balance of, I'm going to tell you right now not to throw that ball backwards, but in five years' time, your coach is going to stand you there and go, all right, you can throw the ball backwards if he's open. And it's trying to go, okay, I need to, you need to be doing things with more long-term, well, not necessarily more long-term, because when you're older, you do, but it's more a case of teaching. I mean, you look at the FA's guidelines on it. They like a lot more of the basics now at that age and being more ball orientated and doing things in a way that's probably more continental than what we've done before. And I mean, some of the people I've coached, well, I mean, some of the coaches I've seen do things in a way that is, <laughs> in ways that I remember doing when I was at that age. Yeah. And it's it's like, okay, well, how do I communicate with parents now? That's totally a totally different situation to what it was when I was in uh, North London with Kinja. Um, how do I communicate? I mean, there's been, yeah, a few, <laughs> a couple of horror stories from this year. It's been so, it's very different from coaching with Kinja. Is that a case of, and, you know, as like, like yourself, um, someone who's coached both outside and inside london do do you feel it's the london bubble that is the difference or or is it just a case of you're working with a completely different age group and um completely different team and this is just how they do it there i i do think it's an i think it's an area thing i think it it, it might be and the problem is it could be we could talk to someone in bradford and they could have a completely different situation to either the ones i've been in you could talk to someone anywhere else in the country and they'd be completely different but it does feel, I mean, having seen and being quite close to my younger brother's team and being sort of around when they've done certain things, the, there's a level of respect that you get in London as a coach that isn't always around when you're coaching where in Sussex, where I am. And a lot of the time it is, and a lot of the time that respect is there. But I mean, the parents that I've had this year have been absolute, have been, have been great, apart from well, a couple of times, but you just can't you can't hope for a perfect situation but you don't always get it mm. but it's i think i've been very fortunate with the parents of the team that i coach have been fantastic and have bought right into what we're trying to do but i think it's those obviously the parents was what i was worrying about but it's some of the things that come through from i mean even other coaches at the club other coaches other clubs when you go to games i think 
some of the things that they do is pretty archaic and some are so light years ahead of what even we're doing it's yeah it's those struggles i think would be are the case also with some of the things that i'd recognized from when we were coaching with kinja i think the atmosphere at kinja is very different to anything i've seen anywhere else and that's a real positive thing the way that everyone treats it the way that everyone buys in almost from the offset is very different to anywhere else i've been okay um i mean obviously that's that's going to be you know, really good news for harry and Prani, that one uh, I, i'm sure they'll, they'll be really pleased to hear that should be. Um, should be should be no and it it is it is there is an atmosphere about the place um so i'm glad you can you can pick that up as well um really topical one now um before we sort of end your your section with your new team and you bring us up to date um and then we go into some further questions but i've got a really topical question that i'm dying to ask you um now the fa uh, recently released some guidelines regarding heading in youth football mm. um i wondered if this has had any kind of effects on the level that you guys coach at it has and it hasn't in a way i think at the age group that i'm at the idea of removing that just for training felt a little bit like a half measure and it felt i mean this is a conversation i'd had with my other coach and we had this uh, quite a long conversation about his perspective on it was that oh it's all nonsense and it's the, like he's a lot more of an old school coach than me but actually i was like well no the the idea of it is right and is where i mean you look at america has been going that way for a long time you look at scotland and wales have kind of been going that way and further for a while actually we are a little bit behind the pack on that and the problem is that at the age group that I coach at and the couple of ages above that are affected by this it is very much a case of well we're telling them not to head the ball right now but again like earlier five years time they'll be picked apart by coaches that will have different philosophies that will say well you're a centre-back why are you not heading the ball properly and it will be a case of well we haven't done we haven't done any of that and it's gonna it's gonna mean that people will have to coach in a very different for in a very different way and it will change people's styles and people's opinions and it might it might unfortunately it might push people away from the game because there'll be people that just won't agree with it mm. but for me i think it's it's the way things are going and it's the way for me it's not a problem because the way i like to play football i wouldn't want to rely on how good someone can head the ball in a game where the mass majority of it unless when until they get older and at the, this age group is all played on the floor I was after it happened. I was watching a game. Uh, well, was at a game that we were coaching, our team were playing, and I think I counted three headers all game, and that came from throw-ins. And it was like, well, if you want to get around that, we're going to have to change what the throw-in rule is at that age, and that's that wouldn't be a problem. And it's it's a great it's a great idea, but it does feel a little bit like a half measure to restrict it to training. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, would it be a long-term? Um... A long-term problem potentially and it's a short-term solution but a long-term issue in terms of like you say five years down the line they suddenly start heading the ball and the demands are for players to then start heading the ball um do we then find ourselves in a situation where we've got teams full of players that can't head a ball and are scared of the ball 
I would hope not, but I worry that the situation we're creating and the atmosphere we're creating around it will cause it to happen. Just because, and it will be unintended effects, but it will be effects that will be felt. Okay, it will be something to to keep an eye on anyway. Um, so let's just round off uh, your your story at the under under sevens and the club you're at now. So uh, talk us through your current situation and um, what's what's going to happen next. Oh, that's a great question. I think <laughs> the majority <laughs> of coaches who ask right now won't be able to give you a short term answer on that one. <laughs> um, I mean, we haven't had any guidance from club about what coming back, but I mean, that's probably not where your question was aimed. Um, for me, I would, I mean, we're still, my situation is that we're looking, as like I said earlier, we're looking at moving to a Northern Ireland, another part of the country. For me, what I would like is to keep coaching with my team now as long as possible, and hopefully that's facilitated by getting back to training, getting back to playing games. But I, I, unfortunately, I don't harbour a lot of hope for that. Um, and then once, well, once hopefully the move has happened, it will be a case of looking and starting the process again and finding a new club and finding a new situation that it suits everyone. And yeah, getting back to it. I think I'd want to get back on the horse as quickly as possible, to be honest. Having, I, I said for months before I got involved with the club I'm with now, that I was just desperate to get back. Coaching was one of those things every week I'd look forward to. Those two training sessions a week and the game on a, on a weekend were things that I just I needed to get back to. And I can't see myself moving away from it at all. I, I, I love coaching. I mean, short of getting back playing, it's yeah, one of the things I love most. <laughs> so that brings us well up to date with where you're currently at. Uh, what I've, I've now got. A whole host of questions. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, uh, please fire away. So I've been taking notes, but um, I, I really want to ask you some questions that I think are relevant. So, um, you, how has it been for you coaching your brother and working with your brother? Well, I I haven't had to coach him at all, really. Okay. Um, that a sense of coaching him when it was when it happened, it was very short amount of time and it was the odd session here or there and it was always a case of it was probably as close actually talking earlier about the parental sort of relationship with a player or someone that you know a player that you have more of a relationship than you do with any other player like obviously coaching you leave a lot of that at the door and but with that situation it was always a case of you do have to try and leave that at the door and sort of go okay I'm a different you have to be a different person when the when the first whistle of a training session goes and after that you do have to kind of you have to separate those things and that is very difficult um that is very tough in a sense and i can understand where people that i know that have i mean i'll give you a little insight my little brother his dad coaches the team as well coaches that team full time and you do see there are times where that that relationship in the team is is difficult but in a way you do have that common language a lot quicker you do you understand what they understand you understand well if i make a reference to something i know that you'll yeah, get it yeah 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 exactly and that's yeah really important okay um how how do you win over some of these parents when you you meet them for the first time 
Um, as you say, you, you when you first join this under sevens team, mm. where you know there's a lot of parents compared to obviously the the, the number of parents you had in in Kinja. Um, how how did you win them over? I think it's about establishing what they're hoping to get from their child or the, their family member or whoever they're bringing. What their what their objectives are, what the players' objectives are. And we've had over the season, we've had players join, and it's about well, that first first session. The first few sessions is about well, the player might be in their back garden and love kicking the ball around, but is this something that they're enjoying? And for me, that's the main one: is the player going to come in and enjoy it and want to buy into doing it more, um, or is it? I mean, unfortunately, the where we train is in the shadow of a Premier League football club, so it's. <laughs> There are certain parents that will bring that will have objectives that may be unachievable. So we have certain players that you're like, look, you, you're hoping for something that may may well be achievable, but at this age group, we can only try and give them the tools to try and help. But it's trying to work out where those objectives are, and if you can start to try and show that there is progress towards that. So whether that comes to, we've got players of very different um, abilities here. But there were certain players that you were like, okay, where we've got certain players that have very different skill levels, you'll be like, okay, we can show that this player is really making progress by, I mean, something as simple as giving a player the man of the match award. We had one, we have one player who's made real strides over the season, and it was there was one game where it was sort of they came, they weren't a key part, but they came on and they really looked and played much better than they had previously. And you were like, okay, well, that's easy then. Even though another player, I think another player in that game scored six goals. We turned around and went, no, actually, you won man of the match last week. So it's only fair that we reward that progress. And I think that that buys parents in. Because I think if parents aren't bought into that, if, if a parent thinks that it should always be the child who scores the most goals or is like by far the best player on the team. It's just not fair on everyone. And I think you do have to sometimes balance up the needs of the many and the needs of the few. Like, what does this player need to progress? What does that player need to progress? So, yeah, I think that's just what it is about establishing those ground rules, like they said earlier, the ground rules and establishing what they want to get out of it and what we want to help them do to get to that point. Good. And um, more of a general um, point regarding that team you've you've just worked with, but what would you say was success for you as coaches uh, for season? What was what was you aiming to try try and get out of that season? Yeah, I think with this age group, there were certain other teams in the league that have been somehow have been playing for one or two other seasons before this. And our aim was to get the whole team to a point where we could all compete at that level. We have certain players that have that sort of innate ability to raise their game to be at that level. But it was okay. Unfortunately, we're not get we well not unfortunately we're not going to get anywhere if we just try and put all our eggs in those two players. We're at that level. It's not fair on everyone to try and get those just those two players to a like on their own sort of end game almost. So it was okay. We need to be engaged. I want. At the beginning, there were some games that we were losing heavily. And it was just like, okay, well, that's not the point, though, at this age group. The point is not the result. The point is that we can point and say, the person playing in goal had a fantastic game, even though they conceded goals. They made big stops. If it, they didn't do that, it's very easy to sort of 
get caught up in those the statistics of it all and then saying no actually it doesn't mean that doesn't mean as much but actually they, they can help and we do <laughs> funny enough the coach i coach with has kept a, a close track on goals and assists and appearances to be able to turn around and say look this is what these players have done and it, it rewards those players that do have that innate ability but i think our aims were just to be just to be competitive in games and come away from them not feeling as if we're absolutely miles for it because i think that that just kills enthusiasm Another question related to your your under sevens. Um, you and your 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 fellow coach. How did you address or approach the social corner when it came to training, matches, whatever? Um, how did you really sort of hammer home the social corner with that team? It's a great question. It's a great question because a lot of the team. I mean, in fact, I'm trying to think about it now. I think there's all but one of them came from the same school so they oh, were wow. all very very well aware of each other and yeah. had been at school together for a couple of years so that sort of social aspect on a whole was actually really good well is actually really good now for the whole team it's fantastic it's great they all sort of get together but there were there are certain aspects of a team that you do have to especially at this age group there have been times where so for instance we have one player that is one of the the better players and we were doing something as simple as playing a game and you turn around and, and they made a comment about, oh, no, we've got so-and-so as they were assigned a player. And you have to go to that player and say, look, we just that is just not how we operate. That isn't how we do things. There is no, oh, he's good and he's bad. It's no, we are. The, it's how good we are. Not about how good he is or she is or they are. It's about how good we are in a game. And that doesn't come from one player being the best player in the team. And it is about making sure that's communicated to everyone and it's it is quite difficult at times because those behaviors you can see have just been picked up from i mean unfortunately they've been picked up whether it's at school whether it's i mean you look at you look at football as a professional game that kind of toxic negativity is very prevalent it would not take you long even as a six-year-old child to work out where that comes from and what where i mean you <laughs> You have, if you're six years old and you hear someone say, oh, no, Jesse Lingard's rubbish and what is he doing? It wouldn't take you long to go, well, I've got a player on my team that I can see isn't very good, so I'm going to call them rubbish as well. Because that is what they see. And it's about trying to drill that and say, no, that is just not the case. Yeah, it's so easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? Mm, um, very. Young players. Um, slight sidestep, this one. Because uh, obviously you're... you're we're, we're, obviously won't discuss much of this anyway, but your role in regards to um, football manager, um, I wonder, and I want to pose to you, because I know you're an avid football manager player as well. Um, I wonder how much of an influence and impact that has had on your coaching. Has it had any, any impact at all? I think I'd be lying to say it had no impact. Um, I think it it just helps in certain situations to have how you sort of consume that football experience comes in many different shapes and sizes. But I mean, if you're exposing yourself to a situation where you have a lot of the same issues and a lot of the same sort of tasks and objectives, it, it just it can't hurt. It can't. I mean, I'm not suggesting that if you want to become a coach, you need to go and download Football Manager in the next 10 minutes. But having that exposure to those sorts of things, I think, is only is only a useful thing. 
Okay. Um, and building on that, really, um, I guess slightly linked. If if you was to walk into a team today, um, any team mm. doesn't matter what age group, what gender, what level, it doesn't matter. Um, but if you was to walk into a team, what is your philosophy that you would like to install on that team? We had, I think we had a conversation when we did the, we had a coaching podcast a little while ago where it was, I was fortunate enough to be with you, Rob and Mo. Yeah. And a lot of what we said there is applicable. I think if you go into that situation, like say, regardless of age group, regardless of who it is that you are fortunate enough to coach, it's, you want to go in and say, look, it is all about we, it's not about necessary, and it is about personal progression, but it is about how us as a team can pull together and get the results that we all deserve if that makes sense that the sum of our parts is always some of our parts i don't know but the whole there's a whole saying there which i'm losing i'm losing track great, of completely yeah. i think but it's greater than uh the, 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 sum of the whole something also. else yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that but like it's about just installing that team ethic and that want to sort of put together and if if we're talking more sort of uh meat potato sort of thing with the, just how I want people to play if that was the question you were coming for it's about being able to move the ball and being confident enough whilst playing to say okay if at any point I am provided the opportunity to do something I know what my options are and I know how I can execute those so if I get the ball on the halfway line what am I looking to do if I'm a defender at a corner I know what I can do and I know where we want to be and it's, I think it's just installing confidence. I think it doesn't matter how good a player you are, but if you are confident in what you're doing, it just it magnifies and it, it sort of it does help. It makes everything that much easier. Yeah, I'm glad you bridged and, and plugged our, our very first podcast there, um, which anyone, if you want a bit more uh, details to what what our philosophies, because obviously Mo, I include Mo and Rob in that as well. Um, our philosophies and our approach uh, do go and check that out um, so yeah fa- thank you Charlie um, I appreciate <laughs> obviously that was already discussed previously I just wanted to tease it out no you. no absolutely yeah happy um, to talk about it cool and you touched on it right at the very very beginning um, mm. but confidence as a coach how important is that to you I think it's vital. I think you can be a great motivator. You can be a great man manager. You can be a great strategist. But if you have no confidence, none of that comes out. I think you can get lost in it. And when I say confidence, I don't mean brash confidence. I don't mean exerting yourself in a situation. I think it's about going, okay, I'm going to do this certain type of type of drill because i know that i have the experience of it working in the past and that confidence is built through experience it's built through testing it's built through knowing that it has worked in the past and knowing so that and that does that is why when you go into a team that confidence isn't always there and i don't think anyone can expect it to be whether it's at the level that i'm at the level that you're at the professional level the, the top level of the professional level it's always you can always tell when someone goes in straight away it's very difficult to get that confidence straight away and knowing that you speak that language with that that footballing language that everyone else is speaking and if you're confident you can kind of you can sometimes artificially create that confidence by going in and saying look if i just if i put on the right 
sort of facade and go into a situation. And sometimes you do have to do that, but it is so much more productive when you can go into a situation with confidence as a coach, whether that's a game, whether that's a session, whether it's something as simple as a conversation with a parent and they are, and they question you in something, having that confidence in your beliefs, that confidence in your abilities and the confidence in the coaches you work with. I think it just makes everything so much easier. Another quality you brought up earlier, um, adaptability mm. um, is something that I've had to use an awful lot during my coaching time. Um, uh, how, how important is it for you? And, you know, can you give us some examples where you've used it? Oh, yeah. I mean, being adaptable has been kind of the core of this year for me because it's been a new age group. And it's you go to a session with the best intentions and plans that are in depth and you turn up and then you're missing three players or you're you're in a different part of the pitch or you're missing a certain equipment being adaptable and being able to sort of adapt what you're doing and being comfortable enough to turn around and go okay I'm gonna have to scrap that bit of the session but I have something else and I can move this slightly further forward or do slightly more on that is just along with that confidence creates that but being adaptable is not it's not an innate ability i don't think really at the beginning it is but once you've coached for a certain amount of time being adaptable i think just comes as well being adaptable does you can if you're not a particularly adaptable coach at the beginning you can build on that and you can you everyone will work around it and that's i think that's what's fantastic about coaching but for me being adaptable is kind of one of the things that motivates me going to a session and not knowing what's going to come out of that pandora's box I think is is one of the most is one of the things that really motivates me to go along to like go along and coach and put those hours in and that sometimes that financial element in as well. It's just it was really what motivates being adaptable. I think that's what's it, yeah kind of I don't know mm-hmm. let's put it is mm-hmm. yeah it really that passion for it is where that comes through is the adaptability. Yeah, I think you summed that up nicely. Um, if say if you if you had a, a really great coach, right? And it's going to sound really weird, but if you sliced them up, you sawed them in half, okay, what would you find inside a great coach? What is a good coach or a great coach's DNA? A great coach's DNA. So I think it comes back again. It comes back to that. I think I'll just brush over the things that I've said, that that confidence, that adaptability, Um, a great coach will have an instinct to them and that is that it could be natural that could be created over time that instinct of when to do certain things of how to approach those situations that comes from experience a lot of the time but it can be that you can walk into a situation that you never would have faced before and go okay i don't know i have like not that you don't know something but you feel how to deal with it so you say that you have an 11 aside team you turn up and your left back's not there you go okay I have an inst- I know what I I know what my initial instinct will be, and that will come from experience. That will come from the adaptability and the confidence, and they all kind of intertwine, to be honest. But being able to have that sort of instinct, I think, is really important. And the top coaches that I have heard from, and I mean, there's so much great content that yourself are putting that I mean, we're putting out as well, and and elsewhere. But I don't recommend that as much. Um, <laughs> but you can tell those they have an instinct about them. There's that uh, at any level. I mean, you're seeing yourself, seeing Harry, seeing Yule, seeing, I mean, I could be here all day talking about coaches that I've been around that have 
that instinct of how to deal with a situation or how to do something or how to approach something to get to that objective, to get to that way of playing or to bring that player in more who hasn't felt as part of the team, as much as part of the team in the last few weeks. That instinct, I think, is really important. Good. And um, looking looking back at yourself and reflecting on yourself now, um, what would you say is your strongest asset as a coach? That's a difficult question to answer. Um, it is a very hard question, <laughs> I will say. It's a very hard question. Yeah, I, I'd probably go back to that adaptability, and I think that's come from experience. That sort of knowing that when you go to a session, you have plan B, C, D in your back pocket to lean back on. And even if that's an unconscious thing, you go to a session, you could be dealt, you can deal with situations that you never would have imagined when you woke up in the morning you'd be dealing with. You can turn up and a player's ill, or you can turn up and a parent's unhappy about A, B, or C. And I like to think that they're, I'm able to go to a session, and it doesn't happen all the time, and I don't think anyone would say they do turn up to every session and have all the answers. I'd certainly hope not, because I think not having the answer is one of the <laughs> one of the more fun, putting yourself in a corner, necessarily, not necessarily, but like not having all the answers, I think, is one of the fun parts, is being in a situation you wouldn't have judged for. But yeah, being adaptable enough to sort of almost admit when you're wrong as well and go, okay, this isn't working. How can I move this to a more productive place? I'd like to think there's something I'm maybe capable of, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you are. You are that that humility, that humbleness. Yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely a strength of yours. Uh, I mean, it's hard to articulate and think of what is your greatest strength because you know I, this is why I say it's it's a hard question to answer yeah. as, from a self perspective, but even as an outsider reflecting on you, like it's hard to judge what is your best quality as a coach because you do so much so good. Um, so <laughs> no, no, it's true. It, 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 I mean, it's hard. Um, so no, I, I really wanted to find out what you thought uh, you, you were particularly strong at. Um, in terms of challenges you faced, what would you say is probably the biggest one you've faced in your coaching career so far? That's a great question. I need a second just to think on that one. Um, no, no problem. You take your time. Yeah, biggest challenge. I mean, when you're coaching, it's there's a lot of micro challenges, is how I'd put it. There's a lot of little things that you can, that can be dealt with. And I mean, sometimes if you handle them wrong, they can become more macro issues. But I found, I mean, at our age group, it's trying, and especially it's getting on that, good footing with people sometimes and getting on that good footing with other coaches with I mean other with some of the players it's about that challenge of and there have been times I mean this year where I've been asked to referee games and that is a an absolutely huge challenge that I think a lot of grassroots coaches would all agree with and I, I mean people that I've spoken to have all said that actually that is almost impossible to be asked to move from one role to What's almost the diametric opposite of coaching is to take that completely, I am ambiguous in this situation. I have no skin in this particular game. But to turn around and go with a team that you've been coaching for the last six weeks to 10 weeks to however long you've been coaching that team is almost impossible. And I mean, it's sometimes led to slightly difficult situations. Um, and that's one of the things I think the FA needs to really, we need to think on. That then we need to be looking. I know it's not entirely practical, but there needs to be a solution of some kind that doesn't require. 
it's only for the age group that it is. Mm. But you're right, it's that exposure for coaches. And we need to be looking at what forces and these challenges, these things that force coaches out of the game. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at the numbers for, you look at the numbers for England against Germany, against Spain, against France. Their coaching numbers are so much higher than ours. And we need to be working out what's either A, and I mean, we can talk about getting the licenses and how much they cost. Oh, and like what is keeping people out of the game and also what's moving people away from the game what is stopping people from being coaches because there is so it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done but at the same time there are times we want to rip your hair out because you're like something even if it's minor things where you're like okay well I need to how am I going to deal with this situation and sometimes it's really minor things but it's just it's all the little things that build up but also don't situations you get put in like I say whether it's being a referee or having to deal with sometimes there are parents for even not necessarily your own team I mean I've had to deal with parents for other teams that you're just it's not a situation that coaches will a lot of coaches will want to deal with that a lot of coaches will just move away and unless they're fantastic and willing to give every hour willing to give so much time and energy and just sacrifice themselves for it like every coach I've spoken to it'll be I've worked with at Kinja and elsewhere it just it just forces people away yeah uh, i mean it's it's an unenviable situation to be in um having to to ref your own team um i mean i feel sorry for for my players when i've had to ref them because they end up on the on worry, the, i feel the same about mine they end up on the wrong side of things um it, you know obviously my background being a, a qualified ref you know yeah. <laughs> I, I i i am going to give it how i see it but you know there is that little bit of leniency that you would see with other sort of player or coach refs. Uh, this is, I mean, I've had issues as simple as, I mean, while, while I'm talking, this is probably not an entire issue for lots of coaches. I know the level you coach at, you don't necessarily have to worry about that all the time. But um, I mean, there was one situation where as a referee, as we were talking earlier about the parent uh, player relationship, the child of the parent I coach with had a shot that went, that, his parent and coach were adamant went over the line and I had to play it the way I saw it. And the, unfortunately the facilities are another huge, huge issue. Telling me no VAR. Oh, no well, I'll tell you what, I was getting all sorts. Also, also I was getting penalties in an under sevens game. I was like, oh and I God. still get penalties for it. It's a joke to be fair for most yeah. of it, but it's just like, <laughs> you're expect that expectation, I think on those mm. situations. And I think it's about expectations are such a huge Another buzzword um, for the bingo. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's no, another huge issue. Great. Um, so two final two questions. Um, what doing during lockdown in terms of coaching-related activities? Are you doing anything like doing any uh, research or, or looking into some session planning? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, short of, I mean, looking at all the content that's on Halftime Cuppa, that was where I was going to start. And looking through those session plans that are on there, it's really interesting to get those perspectives. And actually, a lot of that, and sometimes that comes from places that just aren't football. If you're looking at, I mean, recently I've been looking at a lot of um, American sports just to see how they do things differently. And that's not even from necessarily a coaching perspective. That's from how do they deal with situations. I mean, a lot of things do, they just revert back to coaching and it's, whether it's listening to coaches in other sports, whether it's listening to how people have dealt with certain situations, 
I think that's always almost unconsciously you're picking up on those things and that comes from like looking at how when people are talking I mean unfortunately try I try to avoid punditry when they're talking about it because that tends to end up in just people trying to say the most uh, random thing not a random thing but the most like popular thing possible the most explosive thing possible I don't think there's a lot to be garnered from that but about they say planning for sessions and planning for how planning for situations I think as much as sessions okay um uh, final question just to round it all off um what's your ambitions as a coach where do you want to go oh that's a great question um I've always really I mean I've really enjoyed coaching as an amateur sort of thing but I mean i I want to take it more seriously. If I look back in 10 years time and I've not at least tried to get my level two, I'll be a little bit disappointed. Uh, that's the FA level two coaching license. I'm sure people that are watching this will have that. So will know that, but, um, or listen to this. Um, I'd, I'd like to think I'd have my level two and I'd love to take it further, but it's with coaching. It's very difficult to know. And to be honest, it's very difficult to get any sort of situation that is more, not necessarily professional, but more like, you look at some of the positions in the more, not necessarily professional, but in the semi-professional spaces or that don't require such experience or such and such, knowing such and such. But I would like, I'd like to take it further. I think I'd like to, I think I'd want to be with a team first. I think I need a situation where I coach older than what I've coached already. And I think that might be one of the four, well, hopefully that'll be something that will come through from a change in situation but I'd like to coach a little older I think I think that'd be my main thing is coach maybe even men's football it does it does bring different challenges I, mm. I've uh, I, <laughs> I've so experienced I a few yeah. on that one. Um, no um, and no doubt I think you'll get your level two you're you're ready for that now my friend um, honestly it's it's a really good course as well actually like the course I did was actually really fun um, especially if you get a good group on a course that it is actually good fun. Um, okay, bonus, bonus, extra time question. Um, for anyone who's listening in who is maybe new to coaching or hasn't quite made their first steps yet and wants to get into coaching, is there any advice or any, any tips that you'd give them? I mean, I can give one main thing, and it is one totally huge thing is just take the first steps i think you learn so much from coaching it's unlike almost anything else you learn so much from being you can watch every documentary there is out there you can read every book and they make you they can give you the tools but until you really put them to work you just describing coaching to people that either don't have an interest in football or don't have an interest in it is it's so impossible but if you're looking to make your first steps i would hugely encourage you to do it because it is one of the most trudging off that pitch after a game or try, seeing players trudge off that pitch after a game on a Sunday or a Saturday or whenever after a training session and seeing them happy regardless of the result is one of the most rewarding things I think I've ever been a part of to be part of that community of a team to be part of to connect with that sort of team on a level that you just don't really get in any other situation is something that I would really 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 suggest it it's just you've just got to dip your toe in the water and if you do a couple of sessions and you find it's just not for you then 
there are so many other ways you can be involved. If you find that you want to be more of an administrator, there are clubs that will be crying out for that sort of help. And it's just about really finding where you are comfortable and finding where you can have confidence and really just commit, if you can commit to it. But don't feel that you are... I found in this last... In my last role with this team, that I've had to... Sometimes you feel like that I've had work commitments that have stopped me from being as involved as I should have been. But you've just got to... If you, if you can commit yourself, you just really need to... Putting everything into every moment that you can be there making every minute that you are with a team count is and and seeing the rewards of that whether it's a win whether it's one little bit of skill from a player is one of the most rewarding things and i would encourage everyone to do it really powerful stuff that thank you very much there charlie um that brings us to the end of today's show um charlie how can anyone listening in follow you on social media uh, yeah, you can find me at Charlie Pumphrey on Twitter, but head over to Halftime Cuppa for for anything coaching. Oh, I love that cheeky little plug. Brilliant. Um, you can also obviously follow Halftime Cuppa on Twitter using our handle at Halftime underscore Cuppa. And my personal account, should you wish to follow me, is at Danny Cook 1996. As mentioned at the very start of today's show, uh, all of the previous episodes are actually now available on our website, halftimecover.com and iTunes as well. And you can find us on iTunes just by searching for Halftime Cover. There's one or two podcasts, both by us. Uh, so you, you should be able to find find us one way or another on there. Um, and don't forget, if you press subscribe, then it'll just automatically send you a notification or automatically download when the next episode is available. So, Charlie, um, thank you very much once again for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to listen to you and your story. So thank you, Charlie. Thank you very much for having me, Dan. It's been great to be here. No problem. And until next time, thank you very much for listening in. Stay safe and goodbye.